traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining. By the way, we're on every Saturday afternoon, live and in color, uh, at this station. And I appreciate so much our regular listeners. It's just, I love hearing from you folks. And I am going to take your calls, by the way, today. I promise, promise, promise. Uh, we'll, we're going we're gonna, to uh, spend much of the later later part of the show today, really uh, getting your views on things. And what I want to ask you about is, look, this is Thanksgiving weekend. This is a great, great country, isn't it? I mean, this is such a spectacular country, despite all our flaws and despite the leadership in Washington. Uh, this is the greatest country on earth. There's just no no doubt about that. And I want to ask you all, because this is just a great weekend to reflect on how lucky we are to be uh, Americans. And I think most of the people listening to the show probably were born here, but many of you maybe came here by choice. I hope you became a citizen or in the process of becoming a citizen. You know, this is the one country where you can become an American, you know, be a citizen of the country by choice. Most other countries, maybe Canada is an exception. Uh, maybe Israel is an exception. Uh, you're born there and you're a citizen there. But you look at all these other countries in the world, you know, do, pe- do people want to go to Russia? Do they want to immigrate to Germany? Do they want to re- immigrate to France or Spain or South American countries? No. People want to come here because they realize that this is the last beacon of freedom and hope in this great world. And so I feel so blessed uh, to be have been born here. And, you know, think about it this way. There are about six and a half billion people on the planet, six and a half billion or so. Um, and there are, there are about 330 million Americans. So that means about one out of 20 people on this planet are Americans. Uh, that means you had a 5% chance of being born here, being a citizen here. Uh, that other 95% do not just, they just do not have the freedoms and the liberties and the prosperity and the goodness that we have in America. So, uh, I, I know I'm sounding a little you know, overly patriotic today, but I, this is a good weekend to be patriotic and to to give thanks to God for this great, great country that we have. And so the question is, what do you, what is it that you think is most appreciate about America? And I want to hear people's views on that. What what makes what is it that makes America so great? I think it's really, in my opinion, it goes back to the founding fathers. 
and setting up this incredible system of government that has never been tried before is oftentimes duplicated, but nobody has gotten it quite right. And by the way, we, we have a lot of sins in our past, and, and I know that, and uh, we had slavery, and we've had all sorts of you know, problems with civil rights and so on, but we're, we're moving in the right direction as a country. We always do. Uh, but what is it that you think is great about America? But more importantly, I'd like to hear from younger folks because I was just looking at some Gallup polling and it found that young people under the age of 30 have a more negative view of America than uh, those of us. I'm 63. I'm a, I'm a late boomer. Uh, you know, our generation has a very positive view of America, although even back in the Vietnam War era, there were a lot of young people who obviously you know, we're burning flags and things like that. But we grew up as a generation and now we do love this country, but not so much young people, not so much. Uh, a lot of them don't think America is a special place and they, they, they highlight our flaws as a country, not our virtues. And I have a big problem with that. And incidentally, I think a lot of that is coming from the schools uh, where the, our, you know, we have the most bizarre education system in America today where our schools and our teachers are teaching kids about the flaws of our country and and not uh, the greatness of our country and the and the as I said the virtues of uh, America and so I'd like to hear your views on this. Where do you why do you think it is that young people don't see the greatness of America that uh, that you and I do? Um, I want to talk for a few minutes because there's a big debate coming up this week. And I'm not talking about a presidential debate, although it's kind of a presidential debate, but it's not the Republican uh, primary debate. Uh, this is the debate that's coming uh, up. I think it's on November 30th, which I believe is Thursday this week. Is Wednesday or Thursday? I'm losing track of days. But this will be a debate on Fox News hosted by uh, Fox, Sean Hannity. And it will be a debate between Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and um, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating debate. I'm going to be watching this very closely because it really embodies the two Americas that we see today, California being the extreme blue state run by Democrats. It's a one-party Democratic state. Uh, and Florida being you know, it has turned into pretty pretty much of a red state. You know, 20 years ago, it was a purple state, but today it's pretty red. I mean, Ron DeSantis won his re-election by 20 points uh, just a year or two ago. So it's turned into a Republican state with uh, free market policies. And I'm going to put California and New York together here for a minute because California and New York are pretty similar in terms of their policies and their outcomes. And when you contrast these, you see amazing things. So let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about, and you can decide for yourself which model you think is best. So let's start with the policies themselves. Uh, Florida is a right-to-work state, which means they have unions in Florida, but it means that if you don't want to join the union, you can't be forced to join the union. You can still work there. You're just not a member of the union. I think that's a, just a very basic freedom of choice uh, uh, position. I think every state should have uh, the ability, the workers should have the ability to join the union or not. But Florida uh, but California and New York are not that. They're they're what you call forced union states. In other words, if you want to work in the factory, you have to join the union. And that's 
a bad policy for the workers' freedom, but also it's a bad policy in terms of bringing business. So Florida, Florida is right to work and California, New York are not. Uh, is it any surprise then that the unemployment rate is much higher in California and New York than it is in Florida? California and New York unemployment rate is between 6 and 7%. Whereas um, Florida, I'm sorry, this is the average over the last three years. Uh, the average unemployment rate for Florida was four and a half percent. So six, substantially lower over that period. Um, here's another one for you. The poverty rate, you know, the people at the bottom, what percentage of Californians are at the very bottom of the ladder? 16.4 percent. That's the poverty rate in California. In Florida, it's only 12.7%, which is amazing because California has all these programs. They say how much they care about poor people and all the programs are putting in effect to reduce poverty, and yet they have a higher poverty rate. Hmm, how did that happen? Another one for you. And I, again, I think these statistics are Florida and California, but I think so many of you are New Yorkers. But I think when I say California, I think New York, is, uh, they have similar outcomes. So here's one that I find amazing. Homelessness. In Florida, there are 26,000 homeless people at the end of last year. Ready for California? Not 26,000, 172,000. That's five or six times more homeless people. Um, here's a fun one, the gas price. The gas price in California is $5.25 a gallon. It's it's three thirty a gallon. Now, this is, again, on average over the last three years. So almost $2 a gallon more at the pump in California than Florida. Gee, that doesn't help people too much. Uh, and then a couple more, because I just find these statistics fascinating. California and New York, both not together, but separately, have lost over the last 10 years about 2 million people. In other words, 2 million more people left California and 2 million more people left New York than came into those states. And yet Florida, over that same time period had 2 million more people coming in on that. So people are, we call this vote with your feet. People are voting with their feet and they're voting against California and they're voting against New York and they're going to places like Florida. Now, here's another statistic I find really interesting. Um, California and New York, the highest tax rate in California, New York, you know, sock it to the rich soak the rich with high taxes. So they charge roughly 14%. If you're a millionaire, you have to pay an extra 14% tax on your income in California and New York. Anybody know what that tax is in Florida? I think I think most of you do know what the answer to that is. The Florida income tax is zero. They don't they don't impose any tax at all. And that's one reason people are moving out of New York and California, and they're moving to places like um, like Florida and Texas and Iowa and Idaho and states that are growing and North Carolina because they have low taxes and taxes do matter. They do affect where businesses invest and where workers want to move to. And I'll tell you, uh, I wrote my column this week. I write a weekly column for the Washington Times and it gets uh, picked up by many newspapers. Uh, oftentimes I uh, picked up, by the way, by the New York Post, the second best newspaper in the country. The first best paper, of course, is the Wall Street Journal. And I shame on you if you if you uh, if you pay for the New York Times, because that's just a lot of misinformation. But it, these numbers I just find to be 
really extraordinary in terms of how things are going. Uh, I'll mention one other one. And this is one I want to hear from people in New York to explain this. California and New York pay, uh, they, their budget, state and local budget, is about $9,000 per resident, $9,000. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that's that's what it is for Florida. It's about $9,000 per resident. In California and New York, it's closer to $16,000 per person of spending. Now, <laughs> wait a minute. How can California and New York spend twice as much money per person and get worse performance? I mean, this is the very definition of inefficiency and being nonproductive. You know, there are not fewer you know potholes in New York and California than, than there are in Florida. The schools are no better in California and New York than Florida. They're practically worse. Uh, you know, the crime is out of control in California and New York. It's not so bad in Florida. So where is all this money going? It's inefficiency. It's blue states are just sapping their residents and their taxpayers dry. So I'd love your reaction to this. I hope you will watch that debate on, um, uh, I believe it's Thursday night on Fox News. Sean Hannity is going to be uh, hosting it. And let's see what Gavin Newsom says, because I think he might be the Democratic nominee. And let's see what Ron DeSantis says, because he's running for president. I don't think he's going to beat Trump, but he's been a great, great governor. I called him on Larry Kudlow's show. I called him America's governor. So keep those thoughts in mind. I'm going to give you the WABC uh, more money hotline phone number right now, but don't call in yet. Wait about 20 minutes and then we'll start taking your calls. Uh, WBC more money hotline ready for this 1-800-848-9222, 800-848-9222 or 800-848-WABC. This is the more money show. We'll be right back. You talk. Listen. So much to say, so much to say, so much to say. 77 WABC. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne here from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E on the More Money Show, talking to the markets, the economy, financial planning, and Bob, man oh man, when, it, when the market gets hot, it gets really hot. Yeah, hey, Rye, three weeks in a row now, we've been on a relentless rally. I like the fact that, uh, you know, Jerome Powell says higher for longer. Did he mean stock prices or was he talking about interest <laughs> rates? Well, it's kind of remarkable because, you know, you said in your market commentary today, I mean, we literally had the market sell for three months, lost about 10% of its value on the S&P 500. And in a matter of three weeks, we gained it all back, which, you know, speaks to just how hard it is to try to game the market. I mean, everyone got so negative. Um, and, you know, if you just looked at all the economic data, we're going to go into recession again next year. And then all of a sudden, everything turned on a dime. The sentiment turned on a dime. And the markets just obviously have had a magnificent run over the course of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they really have, right? You know, as you and I have discussed a couple of weeks ago, we said, hey, look at all the good news. But the market was looking at it and viewing it as bad news. You know, what we had happen in the last three weeks is investors are finally going and looking at good news going, wow, that's really good news. Like, how about <laughs> with earnings per share, you know, record, or probably going to hit an uh, earnings per share record right this quarter with base what's been reported so far, you know, so far this year. Yeah, I mean, some of the information we gleaned this past week, 
is the death of the consumer was greatly exaggerated. And I get it. You know, people, were, no one's happy about higher prices and everyone's feeling it. You know, we've had real inflation over the course of the last year or so, but it hasn't stopped people from spending money. And I think that's the key. It's like Americans are, they're complaining about higher prices, but they're still spending. And as we know, that's what drives the U.S. economy. And now we had some inflation data this week that was really good. We know inflation's coming down. It's moderating even further. And based on the data you and I are looking at, it probably will keep coming down into next year. And if you have wages staying strong because the labor market's tight and you have inflation coming down, that's a pretty good economy not to go into recession next year. Yeah, but you know, Rye, I turn on the financial news and day in and day out, you get these perma bears, you get these pessimists, and all they tell you about how this good news is really bad news. But I think, you know, for the their bear story to, to, to you know, to come, come out, uh, you know, you really have to go into a recession. But, you know, the economy has shown extreme resilience, the consumer, extreme exhilarance. There's lots of job openings, right? There's still lots of opportunity out there. So it doesn't look like, Rye, we're going to have what these economists have been praying for, which is a recession in a bear market. I think we're head, setting up for a pretty good finish for the year and a good one for next year. Bob, I love your optimism. Um, in addition to that, I mean, we had oil prices come down a lot over the course of the last couple of weeks. And again, that's a huge tax break for the global economy, right? So there's a lot of what we would call tailwinds um, that, are, that are starting to line up in a really, really good way. And I think, you know, this is what's important because now everyone's talking about is the Fed going to raise rates further? Now we're talking about when is the Fed going to cut interest rates? And this is really important because if you're sitting in cash and you're getting that 5% on your money market fund, well, if the Fed starts cutting interest rates next year, that 5% is going away. And this is one of the reasons we've been so adamant about it. you got to start thinking about your investment strategy now. You can't just hide out in cash because those 5% rates, they're probably not going to be here forever. They're probably going to be transitory, Bob. Yeah, I think so, Ryan. I mean, right now we already have the reported inflation. We had a tremendous CPI number last week and PPI number for Anyone who's bullish on the market, it was great news. Um, so what's happening now is that you know inflation is moderating, and um, when you have you know the inflation number below what the uh, two-year and the five-year Treasury are yielding, you know historically it means that those yields are going to come down. And if you like five percent or four percent, well, you know lock it in. Don't just get it for three days or three months. Get it, you know, lock it in for a couple of years. There's, there's terrific race to be had. Best we've had in seventeen years, right? Well, the other, you know, the other comment you had made, too, a couple of weeks ago is, look, markets don't settle down, they settle up. So I think the conventional wisdom has been, well, I'll just hide out in cash, I'll wait for things to settle down, and then I'll move my money elsewhere. But you can see here, uh, just in the last three weeks, you know, markets don't wait for you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a huge move that we've seen up here in the last couple of weeks. So I think, I think the bottom line is don't wait. If you're a long-term investor, you're trying to invest your money for retirement, um, you know, cash is still trash, even though it's a great rate, it's not going to last. And meanwhile, you can lock in a 16 year uh, record highs and not record highs, but 16 year, 16 year highs in bond yields. Um, and the market as a longer term investment, it's a good time to start buying. Now you've got to get your long term strategy in place today. You can't procrastinate on it, Bob. No, you really can't, Rye, because it's, uh, you know, like the market, like you said, you can't love the market because the market doesn't love you back, but it also doesn't wait <laughs> for you, you know? It's, uh, you know, the old Bobism is what I say is like, you know, invest in the markets you have, not the markets you want. And of course, the last uh, three months was a prime example. We had a classic correction, great buying opportunity. Uh, most of the conversations I had with people is like, Bob, what can I sell? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's what it comes down to, too, is like, yeah, I mean, even the housing data this week was stronger than expected. And it's like, you know, the old Bob Dylan quote, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. <laughs> and what we're, yeah. we're learning is all the economic data is coming in better than expected, which is pointing to we have a much more resilient economy than was anticipated. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but you've got to position yourself to take advantage of the fact that the world's not going to end very often. Last time I checked anyway, Bob. Yeah, you know, Ry, I've read so many articles about it's, uh, you know, the death of the conservative balance portfolio because it had a down year last year. I mean, you know, when prices are down, the opportunity goes up. Expected rate of return goes up when you pay lower prices. So right now, the yields are good on the bond in the bond market. Uh, stocks are priced, you know, to continue in this bull market. In my opinion, Ry, I think you have to be invested, but you got to be invested based on your goals, and that's a lot different than just you know throwing money at the market. Yeah, and if you're thinking yourself right now, okay, Bob and Ryan, I get it. <laughs> Your optimism, it's annoying, but you're right. Um, I need to get a plan together for my retirement. Well, here's your shot to do it. If you've saved over a million dollars, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we're going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it. One run, one right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money? How do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. You need to factor that into your income plan. We're going to build for you your own dynamic income plan. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been all over the place for the last two years. Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo too? Or have you been sitting in cash? paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, tie it to your goals, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Markets love to sell you. Wall Street loves to sell you high cost, tax inefficient product, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own. We'll show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You'll get Bob and I's full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or, you know, you can just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost involved. No other firm will do this for the, do this work for you up front. But if you're not one of our next 10 callers, you're going to lose out. So it's 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, um, we spend most of our time just literally helping people with their financial planning, retirement planning, how they can live off their portfolio in retirement. And, you know, one of the things that we see, we find a lot of times, one of the biggest, I would say, detriments to you getting the financial independence and living off your portfolio is overconfidence. The ego can get in the way, and a lot of the blind spots that you have can really, really end up costing you when it comes to your retirement plan. 
you know, Rye is a uh, you know good strategist and somebody who's been studying the markets for over fifty years. You know, I can see what happens sometimes when I pick up the Wall Street Journal or I pick up Barron's uh, or I'm watching the news. I only read the articles that agree with my current opinion at the time. It's you know, it's just <laughs> human nature. So you know, it, you tend not to be as um, you know harsh on on your actions in a portfolio when you're managing yourself because I think that's the biggest problem, right? Overconfidence. Is well, and I think, problem. you know, you have a famous saying, Bob, it's uh, don't confuse brains with a bull market. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. we think we're doing really well, but it's just the fact that the markets are going up. And a lot of us learned this, learned this last year. We didn't know we had all this risk in our portfolio until the market sold off big last year. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. I thought I had a conservative portfolio, right? It was a big wake up call. And the problem is, as you like to say, is risk is only known in hindsight. You, know, you don't know how much risk you have in your portfolio because you don't know what you don't know until all of a sudden everything falls off a cliff. Yeah, it's so important to manage that risk in your portfolio and proactively. Yeah, it's because you know, I, I find a, a lot of folks that are, that are new to paying capital, they came in with an investment plan. Uh, well, if I have $2 million when I retire, then I'm set. Um, and you know it. We learned with inflation going up to nine percent last year. I arrived. You don't have a financial plan. You're not going to be able to navigate those those rocky waters very well. Yeah, well, that's true because it's not about like, do I have uh, ten million dollars, five million dollars, two million dollars, whatever it is. It's really about do you know what income you need, and is your portfolio going to be able to fund that income, factoring in inflation, right? Because if you need a hundred thousand dollars today to live on, well, that's going to be two hundred thousand over the next twenty years. And you really have to account for that in your plan. So not just having an income plan, but we like to call your dynamic income plan that factors in your cost of living is going up. And this is one of the big problems with those annuities, right? You get this fixed income for life. Sounds great, but it's the same amount of money coming in year after year. Meanwhile, Bob, your expenses are going higher. Yeah, they absolutely are, right? It's, um, you know, and the market always tends to confound the majority opinion of the time. So, you know, a lot of, you know, do-it-yourselfers or, or folks who have a lot of say in their investing, you know, they like to look at the prior track role. Well, what did the best in the last three years, the last five years, last 10 years? That's where I want to put my money. But typically, you know, what you're doing is you're following the crowd, you're buying after the, the rise already happened. And, you know, I think in, investing's tough. So you got to make sure that, you know, you're not emotionally attached. You got to be dispassionate and make sure you're looking at the numbers and, and your own performance. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, you know, the other thing is you have to think about is, you know, what do I own? Do I have a portfolio that is there built for my goals? Or do I have a collection of investments or products that someone sold me? <laughs> and I think this is what happens to a lot of us is we're in that wealth accumulation stage where it doesn't really matter, right? You're, you're working, working, you're socking the money away, you're putting it all different investments, uh, but you're not really thinking about, I actually have to live off this money someday. And this is what happens when you go from what we call that wealth accumulation stage, that wealth distribution stage, is all of a sudden now you need to live off the land and you have to figure out how to actually draw from your portfolio. And when I would argue a lot of the portfolios that you have in place right now, they're not really there to achieve your goals, right? Um, they're, they're not there to solve that problem. And then you end up with just lots of different investments and different accounts, and they're not working together. And I think that's a big mistake that most of us make when we're getting into the, the financial red zone, ready to retire. No, I, could, I couldn't agree more, right? I think the problem is most of you don't have an income plan. You don't understand what the income is going to be generated. And, you know, some of you are still working. I mean, when, you, when you're thinking in terms of retirement, 
all of a sudden that paycheck's not coming in, um, you know, bi-weekly or weekly. Makes a big difference. Um, so I think, you know, when you, when you, that old expression is you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. You know, you don't want to find yeah. that that happens with your portfolio. I've seen too many leveraged investments that blow up and you get a real education, but you don't have any money left. That, that's, it, you know, that's not something we want to see happen, right? No. And I think last year was a great wake up call because I think a lot of us realized like, wait a second, I don't know if this is the right portfolio. And a lot of times we don't really understand what we own. Yeah. How many times are you sold a product from a financial services firm? And you're like, I think this works. A lot of times annuities can be like that where it's done. It's so good when they gave me that pitch, but I have no idea why I own this. <laughs> you know, I've heard that so many times. It's uh, like the old saying, it's like Chinese food, right? It tastes so good going down. Then you feel so empty later. And I think that's how a lot of financial products are sold. So it's so important that first, number one, don't put the cart for the horse. You have to figure out again, like, okay, this is what I have right now. Uh, this is what I need to live on realistically in retirement. This is what inflation looks like. And then you reverse it, engineer back, and then you structure a portfolio around that. But if you're doing it the other way, man, oh man, it's just so haphazard. And there's so many things that go wrong, Bob, from our experience. No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right about that, right? It's um, you know, it's it you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But the the problem with investing and and getting overconfident is the more success you have, you think the better the investment is. But it turns out that value goes up in valuation becomes you know relatively more risky. So you always have to be you know weeding you know the weeds out of your garden, right? You can't allow the weeds to take over. And you can't allow to have yeah. something in your portfolio where you don't understand what's its purpose. Yeah, I think the key is you have to ask yourself, what can go wrong? And I mean, that's where our experience has been doing this for so many years is like, that's all we think about is, how could this get screwed up? <laughs> right? Yep. So that's the analysis you have to run. It's not about getting all the upside. It's about protecting yourself on the downside so you can stay retired, whether it's for 20 years, 30 years. But these are the numbers you have to run. The risk management is so critical. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, that's what I need. I have no idea what my blind spots are. I'm getting close to retirement. I'm retired now. I need to figure out what to do. Well, here's your shot to do it. We still have five slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for your now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally will look at everything. No other firm out there is going to do this. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take social security? How do you draw from your portfolio in the most optimal way so you don't run out of money? We're going to build a dynamic income plan, show you how to live off your portfolio, and we're going to look at diversification. Markets have been like a yo-yo the last couple of years. Has your portfolio been up and down, extremely volatile, or have you been sitting in cash paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, tie it to your goals, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high cost, tax inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. Bob and I will do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We have five slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Don't miss out. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or, hey, just simply call us at 844-PLAN. 
NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own total financial master plan. So there's no cost, no strings attached. No other firm will do this work for you. So don't miss out. If you're one of our next five callers, all you have to do is call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, again, P-A-Y-N-E, simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on a Thanksgiving holiday shortened week, the markets rose for the fourth consecutive week with the Dow gaining 1.2%. The S&P 500 was up 1% and the Nasdaq just adding nine tenths of 1%. Here at Payne Capital Management, we hope you all enjoyed the Thanksgiving holiday with your friends and your family. And in the spirit of that holiday, I would like to reflect how we as investors have many blessings to count and a lot to be thankful for. The stock market is rising, and in spite of an unnerving 10% correction this summer, the S&P 500 is up 20% year to date. The most predicted recession in history continues to be a no-show. The economy continues to be resilient with real GDP at a record high. Our nation continues to prosper with real wages rising and U.S. household net worth at an all-time record high of over $150 trillion. That's more than double where it was during the great financial crisis back in the dark days of 2008. Gas prices are falling as the U.S. is experiencing record high oil production. Lower oil prices are a tax cut for everyone and not just in the U.S. It's not official. But it appears the Federal Reserve is done raising interest rates, and their next move will be to lower rates in 2024. Both stocks, and more importantly, bonds, are rallying on that belief. Inflation continues to moderate and appears to be transitory after all, not persistent or sticky as once feared. Company earnings for the quarter came in at an all-time record high, and estimates for the coming quarters are estimated to be even higher. Earnings, profits, are the mother's milk of stocks, and yet, with record profits and record profit estimates, the market is still trading below the record highs recorded back in January of 2022. Could a Santa Claus rally take us to that promised land? Well, only time will tell, and let's just celebrate one holiday at a time. Clearly, there are plenty of reasons to cheer and show gratitude, and I, for one, am grateful for you, our clients, and listeners and wish you and your family a wonderful Thanksgiving filled with peace and happiness. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have over 75 years of combined industry experience in building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Hey, I just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. 
It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. This is my favorite weekend of the year, I have to say. I just love this celebration of America and the, all of the things we have so to be so thankful for. And now I'm thankful that we have a great guest coming up, and that is John Fund. Most of you who are regular listeners to this show know John Fund, or if you're a regular reader of the Wall Street Journal, you know John Fund. He was uh, with the editorial board for many, many years with the Wall Street Journal and now works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He's also a columnist with National Review. John, thanks so much for joining. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I want to start with the story that we chatted a little bit about last week on this show with you about what happened in Argentina, because I just still think that this is like a political sonic boom. Not That's not just going to... Uh, um, influence Argentina, but many other countries in the world, because it just seems like it might be indicative of a kind of um, revolt among the working class around the world against arrogant politics. So Javier uh, Malay won uh, last weekend in a very big surprise. You were one of the people who was predicting this might happen, John. Tell us why Americans listening to this show, people in the New York area and around the country should care about what happened. Well, the first reason is that we have replaced one of the most hostile regimes to America in Latin America with um, a very pro-American, Javier Millet. Uh, the old regime was cozy with Cuba, Venezuela, China. In fact, there's a Chinese space military space station in Argentina operating, manned by the Chinese military, that even the Argentine authorities can't have access to. Wow. That's the price of... Wait, hold on, hold know, on right there, John, because this is a really important point, and I don't think I've heard other people talk about this, that we now have a, a regime in Argentina and South America that will be pro-American. That's a big deal. Well, not just pro-American, but will uh, basically... Tell the Chinese, we don't want any of your Belt and Road initiatives. We're not going to take wow. loans from you. Fantastic. Uh, it's going to tell the Cubans and the Venezuelans, you know, get out of our countries. You know, your secret agents are no longer going to be operating out of your out of our embassies. Uh, I believe that this is a seismic shift. It also brings an ally of Israel and Ukraine into power. Uh, and in general, the lesson it sends to the rest of the world is, People, when they're faced with economic mismanagement, mm -hmm. will often vote for radical change. By the way, it wasn't just Argentina. The Netherlands, the number one party in the Netherlands, is run by Geert Wilders, and um, he was campaigning against not only unlimited uh, migration, but he also campaigned against the European Union's overbearing bureaucracy yeah. and the yep. fact that Netherlands is overtaxed and overregulated. Well, this is a big story, and, and you brought this to my attention uh, just a couple of days ago because the, the mainstream media hasn't been covering this. But, you know, when I listen to the message of some of these new elected officials, you see a little bit of Trumpism and the kind of revolt of against the arrogance of the ruling class. And these new candidates seem to speak for the populist blue-collar workers. 
Well, I saw that when I was in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the wealthy neighborhoods in Buenos Aires where Millet underperformed. Uh, in other words, a lot of rich people voted for the ruling party because of crony capitalism. They have benefited from the policies of the ruling party, which is protectionism, crony capitalism, uh, corruption and contract. And they're relatively satisfied with their life. They have enough money. It was the informal sector. These are what we would call in the United States self-employed. But in Argentina, it's often a guy with a push cart or somebody who's selling things on the street. And those people are not part of the regular economy. And they voted massively for Malay because he represented the hope of social mobility mm-hmm. moving up to the middle class, which Argentina hasn't seen for 25 years. There's been zero economic growth in Argentina for over 15 years, Steve. Yeah, and not only that, but when you look at the inflation, which you know you think our inflation here in the United States is bad when you have 9% inflation, you were looking at inflation rates that were hitting well over 100% in some cases in some months well, in Argentina. So, by the end of the year. It is accelerating yeah. as we speak. By the time yep. the light takes office, it'll be at 200% a year. And I literally saw people go into supermarkets in Buenos Aires, Steve, and the first thing they would do is go down the aisles and see where the guy with the staple gun changing prices was. Because yeah. they had and to by- get ahead of him <laughs> in order to try to shop before he would come around and change the prices on them. And I remember that it used to happen in the 1970s when Jimmy Carter was president here in the United States. So people do not like inflation and they do not like their living standards uh, falling the way it's happened. And by the way, you I think you made the point in your National Review article that at one time, not you know many decades ago, Argentina was one of the richest countries in the world. In 1930, it was the sixth richest country in the world. It was a huge exporter of beef and agricultural products. Uh, there is an opera house built in the 1920s in downtown Buenos Aires that is the envy of the entire world still. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very wealthy country. It was a middle-class country. Now, today, after the Peronists, who were the heirs of Juan and Evita Perón, from yep. that Broadway musical that everyone yep. has seen, they, their heirs have taken the country to a point where 40% of the population is now in poverty and 10% is destitute. Well, you know, this is one of the themes of this show, John, is that uh, freedom creates prosperity and free market capitalism is the best path to prosperity. It's it's so surprising to me that it takes so long for people to realize that. So let's turn our attention now to the United States. Uh, you're looking, I'm looking at these polls, John, and, you know, Trump seems to be holding up pretty well. I mean, he he's winning a lot of the battleground states, at least in some of the polls. And I know that we're a year away from the election, but I'm sort of shocked by the fact that people, um, you know, it looks almost like some of the people who voted against Trump are giving him a second look. Uh, Is this just because of the incompetence of the Biden administration? What do you you attribute uh, Trump's fairly strong numbers now to? Well, I think that people have processed all of the things that are negative by now, including yep. some of the court cases. Right. Uh, they basically discounted the media coverage to some extent. But the biggest asset he has is, remember, Biden was an accidental president. He was an accidental president because he got the Democratic nomination only because of COVID entering the, the process right. of the Democratic primary. And because the other choice was uh, Bernie Sanders. Right. Yeah. So he was an accidental president then, and he was an accidental president 
uh, in November 2020 for other reasons, mm-hmm. including perhaps some election shenanigans. So right. the real question, the real question here is, uh, people have are comparing what they experienced under Trump with what they've experienced under Biden, and Biden doesn't look good. Plus, Biden is obviously weakened. He is, you know, verging on, if, if not senility, let's just say cynicence. Mm-hmm. And I think that Trump easily beats Biden in a general election next in a year from now, because Biden's weaknesses will be even more apparent. But the fly in that ointment, of course, is the Democrats mm-hmm. aren't stupid and they're also ruthless. I think they will find a way by hook or by crook to dump Biden and replace him with another Democrat, whether it's mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, or Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, or, you know, they'll swallow even Kamala Harris, the vice president. Um, you know, there's even they, they of course, they dream about Michelle Obama joining the yeah. Democratic ticket. I don't think that's going to happen. But the Democrats are not going to stand still and just let Trump win. How, how do they get away? How do they get around the Kamala problem, though? Because, you know, she's, uh, you know, a black woman. Uh, Democrats are obviously enthralled with uh, identity politics. But she's been a absolute. A disaster as the vice president, and most Americans see her as incompetent. But how do you? How could they possibly push her aside? Well, that's why I think the Democratic dream ticket that they're trying to put patch together in order to placate people's identity politics concern would be Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan and Governor Westmore of Maryland. You've never heard of Governor Westmore of Maryland, of course. But he is <laughs> I live in Maryland, and I've never even heard of him. Exactly. But he is African-American, and frankly, he's a relative moderate by Democratic standards. So right. a Gretchen Whitmer Westmore ticket would have a black on it and a woman. It wouldn't be the same as having Kamala on it. On the other hand, frankly, African-Americans aren't very impressed with Kamala Harris. He's yeah. So, John, um, a few more minutes we have left. And by the way, I'm talking to John Fund, who's the excellent political reporter for National Review. He's also works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. By the way, if you're not getting the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline that John and I both work on, uh, please sign up. It's go to uh, our, our website, Committee to Unleash Prosperity dot com and sign up for the hotline and we will send it to you. Are you ready for this, folks? There's no inflation here. It is absolutely free. We just want you to be the smartest person in the room. So sign up for that. That's Committee to Unleash Prosperity dot com hotline. Uh, John, um, Ron DeSantis, I think, has a pretty big debate coming up against Gavin Newsom. And I want to see him really bring Newsom to the canvas in this one. I, I mean, I think he's got all the facts on his side. Do you think he can beat Gavin Newsom? Well, Gavin Newsom is a glib governor of California. He's no pushover. And in fact, he also can be charming. Look at how Sean Hannity basically <laughs> right. was easy on him in a, a bit in an interview that he had with him a few weeks ago. Having said that, the November 30th debate will be on Fox News at 9 p.m. Eastern. That debate is going to be, uh, you know, bring out the popcorn debate. Wait, wait, uh, which date? When is it again, because, John? Pardon? When, when is that debate again? November what 30th, November 9 30. p.m. Eastern okay. Time, Fox News. Got it. I'm going to be watching. <laughs> and, uh, of course, it'll be repeated and obviously available yeah. on, on various websites afterwards. The The bottom line will be Newsom, of course, is you know going to concede that California is a big, complicated state and has some problems. He's already admitted that he mishandled COVID and has apologized. 
for some of the lockdown excesses, I guess trying to steal that issue away from DeSantis. But he's going to say, well, look, you may have a few economic statistics on your side, but look, you, you censor school books in the classrooms and you're cracking down on abortion. You don't want any freedoms, personal freedoms. So you're going to be running like a Singapore style state. I I guarantee you this is going to be not just on economics. It's going to be on lifestyle and it's going to be on attitudes. And Newsom, of course, is not trying to convince Republicans that California is a paradise. He's trying to convince Democrats he'll stick up for their (laughs) values. And on that, both sides may come out the winner. So last question on the way out, John. Uh, Basically, I've talked to both the um, DeSantis camp and the Nikki Haley camp, and DeSantis says that he thinks he can win Iowa, and Nikki Haley is, looks like she's putting all her uh, gold in the in the uh, New Hampshire uh, primary. What do you think? Is that possible that DeSantis could win Iowa, or and or that uh, Nikki Haley could win New Hampshire? Well, Trump, as you remember, didn't win Iowa in 2016. So right. it's certainly conceivable that in a caucus state where you have the most partisan and grizzled political veterans voting that DeSantis could win. Haley might benefit from the fact that Chris Christie might be on the verge of dropping out. Uh, He's basically had his stay in the media sunshine (laughs) and he might leave this stage. Uh, The problem that either of them would have running against Trump is, you know, Trump might be damaged by losing Iowa and New Hampshire, but there's, you know, 25 other primaries to, to, to run in. And the question would be, could either a DeSantis or Haley, if they're not the only opponent Trump has, if they're both standing and fighting against Trump, can Trump win in a divided field? Well, he did win in a divided field in 2016. Remember, he only got 38 percent of the Republican primary vote in 2016, but that was enough to get the nomination. Yeah, well, good point. Uh, That's John Fund. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. And we're going to take one quick break, and then we will take your calls at 1-800-848-9222. This is The More Money Show. WABC. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. This is Steve Moore. We are live Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you're having a wonderful one. I hope you're eating all the uh, leftovers from the turkey dinner on Thursday. Uh, I want to um, reiterate what I said earlier, that uh, I'm concerned that young Americans, uh, the Generation Y, what are they, Generation Y? Yeah, and Z, <laughs> I get confused. And then the millennials, they are just showing a lot less patriotism and love for America than those of us who are older. And I asked this question, and I'm going to ask it to our uh, folks online. Um, do you think, wh- why do you think that is? Why do you think that the patriotism isn't where it should be in America today? And what do you love about this country? Um, I, I really want to hear your, and by the way, if you're someone who, doesn't feel patriotic about America, I'd love to hear your views. This is Freedom of Speech Radio, and I want to hear what it is that bothers you about this country. We're not a perfect country by any means, but I want to hear why you think some other country is greater than the United States, because I can't find one. Uh, that number, by the way, is one 800 848 My 
Uh, producer tells me we do have one open line. So if you want to call in, we are ready for you on this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Mr. Producer, who is our first caller? Let's go to Walter and Yonkers. Walter, thank you for calling. What do you got for us? Steve, uh, firstly, I noticed that last week demonstrators down in Buenos Aires were flying the Gadsden flag. In this country, demonstrators would burn it, and I think here's why. Uh, Many of your uh, listeners probably have not heard of Antonio Gramsci, communist uh, theorist in the 1920s, Uh, explaining why the communist revolution had not succeeded in Western Europe. He said the focus was wrong. It should be on undermining the cultural institutions of the West. This has been going on for a century. It has. And uh, I I returned from a taxpayer-funded voyage to uh, Southeast Asia in the fall of 1970, six months after Kent State, and I could see on the campus I was going to, there was no Kent State going on. There was no rioting. And Gramsci basically explained it because the people who were confronting turned from confrontation to infiltration. They've been infiltrating all of our major institutions and especially in education. I was part of education after getting out of the Navy. Uh, People I worked with weren't commies, but there's evidence of it all around. It is a great, great point. Great call. That's why I take your calls because we have so many smart listeners. And this is a point that I've been making on this show for the last couple of years, that the left has infiltrated every cultural institution in America. And I hate to see this. And I think it might be the answer to my own question about why young people are so uh, non-patriotic. They don't see America as this kind of a shining city on a hill. And if you think about it, the left has taken over the media. That's obvious. They've taken over the courts. That's obvious with, with the misjustice that's going on. Uh, uh, with with Trump and throwing people in jail, their political prisoners. They've taken over the the churches uh, and the pulpits. They've taken over the arts. They've taken over the entertainment industry, uh, and they have taken over. They're taking over a lot of the political institutions. And so, all, what I call the talking professions, the people who talk for a living rather than actually work and produce things, they are polluting the minds of our kids, and we cannot allow this to continue. This is one of the themes of the More Money Show. We have to stop having left-wing liberals telling our kids this country is uh, inferior. Uh, Who is our next caller, Mr. Producer? Our next caller is Edward in Florida. Edward, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, Steve, I wanted to get your opinion. So we have uh, a change of the guard in Netherlands. Last year it was Italy. Uh, they're having a riot in Dublin uh, because of immigration. What do you think about the chances of that being a main topic in next year's election? I think it's going to be a huge factor. Great call. Great question. I'm very pro-immigration. I think immigrants are so vital to our country and to uh, the industriousness of this country, the the entrepreneurship, the hard work ethic, which I think is fantastic. Uh, the Asians and the Hispanics and the Africans who come in this country are incredible assets to our country. But I'm sick and tired of a border that is out of control. And, you know, one of the things that really bothers me the most about this, you know, the left loves to talk about how humane they are and how much care, how caring they are. And, and yet what's really happening here is this is, this is the most inhumane immigration policy we've ever had in this country. 
it is outrageous that, uh, and by the way, I'm not even blaming, blaming the migrants. They come here because they want a better life. Their kids might be starving to death in their countries like Venezuela, but you can't have an immigration system like that. It has to be orderly. It has to be something that we uh, invite people to come in and, and we make sure they're not criminals and drug runners and, and, uh, and, and people who would do us harm. And so that's not the system we have today. And that means it's harder for people yeah, to get I into the country sweaters. in the legal way. What's that? One more caller. All right, let's go to Viviana from Brooklyn. Last one, very quickly. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. One of the major reasons is that they've eliminated civics and yes. uh, the study of the Constitution yes. of America. A lot yes. of people don't even know their, yes. their rights in our nation. And the thing that I love about America is that we are a nation of great faith and that no matter what is going on, we do not give up and we rely oh. on the Lord. Wow, what a great, great call. <laughs> what a great way to end the show. Thank you so much. for. I agree with every word you said. We have to teach civics again and real American history, not fake American history. Folks, have a great Thanksgiving weekend, and I'll see you again. Same bat time, same bat channel next Saturday.